Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This episode is part of my US road trip series where I travel through several states competing at the Houston World's Barbecue Championships and learning as much about barbecue as possible. The trip starts in Texas before going across to Louisiana and then up into Arkansas. It was a hell of a trip and I'm so excited to be able to share it with you. Before we get into it, I want to invite you to come join us at the Smoking Hot Confessions community on Facebook. It's a great place to continue the conversation. Also, make sure you get your free copy of my ebook, 27 Lessons Learned from Competition Barbecue. Jump on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash ebooks to get your copy now. Finally, however you listen to this episode, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. This will really help me spread that barbecue love. Alrighty, this episode is the last in our US road trip series and sees me finish up with an interview recorded live in a barbecue joint in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Ralph from Pink Flamingo is something of a legend in that corner of the state. He was making so much money at barbecue competitions that he quit his job as a banker and opened up a barbecue joint. There's a trophy cabinet in his restaurant that stretches an entire wall and his place is so popular that CNN comes in once a week to record a sports chat show in there. But how did he get there? Let's find out. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Make no mistake, beef is king. Ask any competitor on the circuit and the trophy they want most of all is the brisket. And you won't find better brisket than Black Angus Reserve. Black Angus Reserve is the leading brisket brand in Australia and it's easy to see why. It's verified Black Angus, which has been grain-fed for a minimum of 150 days with a deliciously high marbling content. These briskets are so good that Black Angus Reserve are willing to put their money where their mouth is. They sponsor multiple grand champion winning team Manning Valley Natural Smokers who've won many trophies using their briskets. Not just that, but Manning Valley took these briskets to the World's Barbecue Championships in Houston and took out second place in the world. To get yours, hit up their Black Angus Reserve page on Facebook now. Hey family, I'm now well and truly into the third leg of my US tour. I've traveled all the way from New Orleans, Louisiana to Fort Smith, Arkansas. Now I naively decided to drive and do the trip in one day. I had completely romanticized the whole idea, picturing some kind of Hollywood-esque life-changing experience. But it turns out driving down a motorway in, in the United States is exactly the same as driving down a motorway in Australia. Just everything's on the opposite side and the snacks are better. But now I'm here and today I'm chatting with Ralph from Pink Flamingo, a barbecue joint in Fort Smith. Not just a barbecue joint, but critics say it's the barbecue joint to visit, with the Pink Flamingo being voted best barbecue for seven years running and also best pie for their bourbon chocolate pecan pie. The fact that I'm allergic to chocolate is breaking my heart right now. Ralph, thanks for taking the time to chat with me, and welcome to The Confessional. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. So, mate, the first thing I've got to ask is, what was the last thing that you barbecued for yourself? 
Well, you know, when you barbecue day in and day out at work every day, every day, every day for 10 years, you don't do a lot of barbecue at home. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking back, it's been quite a while so, because quite honestly, if I want barbecue at home, I take it from here. And so it's, it's exactly like what I would do at home with no labor, you know, I, it, so, but the last thing I probably cooked at home was probably uh, pork loin, probably. Uh, it's a little, uh, little quicker, a little easier, not an all night adventure like brisket or pork butts or anything like that. Yeah, right. And how do you like to do those pork loins? Well, the, the one trick on pork loin is don't overcook it. Um, if you will cook it till it's like medium rare and stop, that is what you want to do on pork loin. It's not like uh, a shoulder or a butt where you kind of cook them to death, cook them till they fall apart. The pork loin is so lean, it, it's, it's extremely lean. And if you cook it that much, it'll really dry out and get, uh, you know, grainy. And, and it's just not nearly as good if you overcook the pork loin. Very nice. Cool. So do you actually have a barbecue at home or do you not even have one at home anymore? Well, the yeah, of course, I've got a, a, a grill that I'll do steaks on or whatever, but that, that's not barbecue. Um, uh, you know, barbecue is, is indirect heat, slow and low and slow. I, I do have a uh, mobile competition cooker. Well, I've got a couple of them, but uh, if I'm going to cook for you know a group at home or someplace else, I'll just hook that up to the car and drag it to where it's going, and then I've got my full competition rig there to to uh, do whatever needs to be done. Ah, that's awesome. Now, what actually is that rig? Well, it's a stick burner, uh, meaning that, uh, you know, it's going to have a firebox at one end and you we use uh, usually hickory wood with charcoal, uh, always lump charcoal, never briquettes. Briquettes have fillers and chemicals in them. If you're using lump charcoal, you won't get that that taste but typically the charcoal is for heat and the wood is for flavor uh and so uh it's a good combination of the two and uh, then the the rig itself is a, on a trailer it's uh it's a pretty good size in fact i should have shown it to you i've got it here at the moment i'll i'll show it to you when we're done yeah yeah um, I'd, I'd love to check it out but uh it's a custom made it's uh a friend of mine has a uh, a steel works business and he made three or four of these one for himself and then and then several of us are all barbecue guys so we all kind of got matching smokers and they're just fantastic i i've not seen one out on the market that i would trade for it's just it's a wonderful wonderful piece of equipment so it's a very limited edition then yeah yeah there's only three or four of them out there Ah, well, that's that's got to drive the price up if you ever decide to uh, to, to to on sell it. Well, I, I told my kids that if they ever if, if something happened to me and they ever sold that, I'd come back and haunt them. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Um, so tell us a, a bit about your history with barbecue. Then, how did you get into it? Well, I was a banker in a previous life, and uh, my first real exposure to a competition was uh, the bank would had a smoker and there and a, and a guy and uh, it wasn't me and so anyway there was a local contest that was uh, 
put on, and the bank would use that as kind of a morale booster, and they'd buy a bunch of meat and a bunch of beer, and whoever wanted to go out on Saturday could go out and eat and drink and have fun. Well, it was a lot of fun, and the food was really good. And so, you know, that kind of, you know, caught my interest, uh, being there just totally as a spectator and, and just enjoying, I didn't really do any of the work, even though I knew what was going on, I was paying attention. Uh, but that was my first real exposure to a cook-off. And the following year, a friend and I decided, you know, we, we should do that. So we took a actually we didn't even have a uh, much of a rig it was kind of a backyard little thing it and and we took it out there and and uh, darned if we didn't win ribs and first time out we won we won ribs and so well we were you know we were pretty hooked at that point you win something that changes everything and so uh, it just got you know, bigger and bigger and bigger, and and uh, you know, it it really did make a big transformation. When we started the competition circuit thing, it was on weekends. I was still a banker, and it was on weekends, and it was a guy thing. It was kind of a no wives, no kids, lots of beer. You know, it was it was at a you know it was an, a, a getaway, and 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 we didn't do it that often. We probably did it. You know, when we were starting out, probably, I don't know, five or six times a year. It wasn't that big a thing. Well, we we got better at it. And when you get better, you start winning a little more. And when you start winning a little more, you start paying a little more attention. And, and by the time we finished the competition phase, which was pretty much when we opened the restaurant, we, we did that for about right at nine years and when we started it was all guys all party you know nothing serious at all when we finished it was the team consisted of me my wife my son <laughs> we were always going for the big money uh, we would hardly I mean I'd take a 12 pack and and bring a couple home at the end you know very limited dream it was a much more serious we were trying to win the big money and and we were the the last three years that we competed we finished uh, 17th 13th and 11th overall out of all of KCBS at the end of the year wow. results so we had made that top tier um, and we traveled to Colorado we had the motorhome uh, you know, we would Oklahoma, Colorado, Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, even over into Tennessee. And so and we were doing about 27, 28 cookoffs a year towards the end. So we were it was my wife used to joke that there's a fine line between a hobby and a lifestyle. And that's you know, that's the truth, because, uh, you know, I was still working at the bank and and that was a weekend. She's a teacher and she was teaching and we'd scurry out of town as soon as we could on Friday and, and go to the go to the cook-off. Man, that's amazing. 28 comps in a year. That's like one every other weekend. Well, yeah. And well, but see, this it's more than that because the 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 calendar year really doesn't do it justice. Yeah, there are some cook-offs in in the winter, but not really. I mean, there's a few. Uh, this, the 
around here, the 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 year, the competition year is from about the first of March to the uh, American Royal, which is usually in the first weekend of what October, I guess. And uh, then if you're really lucky, then you get to cook at the uh, Jack Daniels, and that's a little bit later. But, um, you know, from October to March, there, we really didn't ever cook any cook-offs there. So you put 28 cook-offs in that few months, it's most weekends. Yeah, right. Yeah, maybe even like one weekend with two cook-offs. Well, we have done that, yes. We have. And, and you know, you always have, you know, grand dreams of, of we're going to hit twice, and it, it never happened for us. That second one was always much – we never did as well on the second one. It was just you're sleep-deprived and, and tired and worn out, and you, you probably should have just gone on home. But, uh, yeah, we did a couple of doubles. Those are hard. That must have just been – just incredible i can't even fathom that myself like I'd, i've i've done them back to back on weekends so like one weekend do one comp and then go to one weekend and do another comp but two comps on one weekend i can't even get like kind of wrap my head around yeah that. you gotta get one that's uh you know a saturday cook-off and a sunday cook-off and uh, then limp home on monday yeah <laughs> yeah it's hard yeah i'll bet now were you only competing in KCBS or were you in, in other comps as well? We I have done a couple of other uh, formats, but but 99% of the cook-offs we did were KCBS. And the reason we did that is we always felt like we had a fair shot. Um, if you get into some of the formats like Memphis and May, you kind of notice that the guys that win that have big corporate sponsorships and and it's not blind judging you've got to have a log a, a lot of dog and pony show i th- i think to win that now yeah you got to have good food but you've also got to have the the dog and pony show you got to have the the real fancy setup and and on all that and and we just never had any sponsorship at all you know we were doing this out of our hip pocket and so i always felt like food in a box it didn't matter who it was coming from. You had a fair shot. It was just about the food, and uh, and and the fact that KCBS is well run and and well organized to the point that the rules are the same everywhere you go. If it's a KCBS sanctioned cookoff, you know exactly what the rules are before you get there. You don't have to, you know, guess at what they want or accidentally get disqualified because you didn't know that was not the way they wanted it or something like that. So I want to back up to something I just heard you say before. You said that it was not blind judging. Do they tell the judges whose box it is when they give it to them? No, they actually go to the space. Uh, My understanding with Memphis and May, and I've not cooked Memphis and May, but I've I've watched it enough on TV. I feel like I've got the first round, they turn in a box. And if you make the top 10, then they actually, the judges go to the the space and they get a presentation. And the, the pit master does a, a sales pitch and talks them through the process and all that. And they know exactly whose food they're tasting and it's it's on site. They do it at at the site. So it's the final round is not blind at, at that format. Oh, wow. That's- and that would be really difficult. I don't know how I would be not influenced because 
just personally, I, I've judged a few cookoffs, and that's a lot of fun. If you've not done that, you should. It's very fun to judge a cookoff. Um, I remember one time judging a cookoff, and I opened a box, and I recognized it was one of my best friends brisket entries nobody puts brisket in a box like he does and i recognized it immediately as soon as they opened the box that's my buddy's and and so i'm i'm torn between wanting to give him you know high scores and then oh but you know what well he probably deserved perfect nines it was just wonderful and to overcompensate for the fact that i knew whose box it was i gave him two nines and an eight and he probably suffered because of that, because I knew whose it was. Yeah. And so, I mean, that could go either way. If you're judging somebody's food and you just can't stand them, it'd probably be easier to give them a low score mm. than if it was somebody that you, you know, really liked. Or, But I don't know. I, I've never, I've only been in that situation that one time, and it was still supposed to have been blind. But uh, there wasn't anything I could do about it at that point. Do they have like a pool of reserve judges there on the day so you could put your hand up and say, look, I know whose this is. Someone else needs to come and judge this one. The way I, I've never seen anybody pulled in and out in the middle of a cookoff. Now, they, they do usually have a, a couple of standbys in case somebody doesn't show up. But as far as, as pulling out in the middle of, I've, I've not ever I've never seen that. OK. Doesn't mean it's never happened, but I've never I've never seen it happen. Usually it's. I mean, boy, once you're sitting at that table, it's it's wonderful. It's it's great experience. Have you ever done it? I have, yeah. Um, but in in Australia, I've I haven't done a KCBS one over here. Oh, they're wonderful. It's just it's just so much fun. But but it's real serious. Oh yeah. You know, no talking, no facial expressions. You know, it's super serious. And then after the food, that entry is off the table. Then you can talk about it, and you know. That type of thing, but uh, yeah, it's I I really enjoyed judging. I, I may do some more of that down the road. Sounds like a good plan. Now talking about competitions, you got a giant case of trophies out uh, in the entryway. What's been the highlight of your competitive barbecue career? You know, th- there's probably I would say three. You know, the the first ribbon that we ever won a fourth place brisket in Parsons, Kansas at the Katy Day Festival. Now that I will always remember, it was great because it took us almost a year to get to the point to where we actually made a top 10 product at KCBS uh, for their cook-off. Now, I had cooked a, a, a local cook-off, and, and we had done some stuff there. But as far as KCBS, that's a whole different, you know, a whole different ball game around here. The level of competition is extremely high in this market, and uh, yeah, it took a while to to get to the point to you could to get up to where you could get a call or two, and so that was a that was a, a proud moment. Uh, number two would probably be. When we won sausage, the sausage category at the American Royal. Now that's the biggest cook-off in the country. Over 500 teams. I think it's up to about 600 teams now, and they have more than the traditional categories. You know, the traditional categories being chicken, ribs, pork, and brisket. They also do a, a side dish category and a dessert category, and they do a, a sausage category. 
And uh, when when we won sausage that day, we were certainly um, not anticipating that. I mean, there were like 400 sausage entries that day. Wow. And that's, you know, it's, if you think of it like a horse race, even if you've got the undisputed fastest horse there, you still got to get past 399 other horses on that last final turn. It gets a little crowded. And so that was, that was a, a fantastic day. That was, that was really a highlight. And then the, the third would be the, the day that we got to represent Arkansas at the Jack Daniels World Championship Invitational. Nice. Uh, and that day we placed uh, third place brisket and third place dessert with our chocolate bourbon pecan pie. Ah. And uh, that was that was quite an adventure as well. So that'd be the three the three moments that really stuck out. Yeah, for sure. That sounds amazing. Now, did you um, hand grind that sausage, or did you get it from a from a butcher? Or? No, we actually buy a, a commercial sausage. That's it's a uh, beef pork chicken blend, and uh, and it it's, we serve it here at the restaurant. And uh, actually, y- you get a sausage no matter what. If you order a sandwich here, you get a sausage. That's kind of our thing. If you order a dinner, you're going to get a sausage. But it's a it's a blend. It's a commercial blend, and uh, then we cut it, then we smoke it, then we drown it in sauce and let it simmer for a few hours to get for to kind of break down and and get happy. And uh, that's kind of the process. It, it would work with any sausage. If you had a sausage that you really liked and a sauce that you really like, just uh, you know, cut it up, smoke it. Don't overdo it. You know, don't. Don't kill it. Just cook it, and then uh, cover it in sauce, and and let it simmer for a couple hours, two from two to three, just depending on what you know, just to low the simmer, and uh, boy, it'll it'll turn any sausage into something pretty magical. Now, is that simmering it as a whole sausage, or did you say before no, we, that you we, chop we, it up? We first? cut them up. We cut them up into pieces a couple inches, there into serving size. Uh, pieces before uh, we even smoke them. We, we'll cut them up and then smoke them and then let them simmer after that. Ah, interesting. Very cool. So just um, circling back to Pink Flamingo, um, that's quite a unique name. I'm, I'm guessing there's a story behind <laughs> oh, Pink Flamingo. Yeah, can you, yeah, can yeah. you tell us about that? Well, like I said before, when we started, you know, there was a lot of beer involved and we had a lot of fun and, and, uh, we needed a team name. So being business school graduates that we were, why we sat down with a legal pad and a cooler full of beer, and we're going to write down everything on the li- on the pad that, that describes us to ourselves and hoping that will lead us to our name. Well, when the cooler was empty, we had three things on the, on the sheet. <laughs> we're cheap, we're tacky, and you don't want us in your yard. <laughs> so, so that worked, you know, okay, uh, pink flamingos, yeah, that's, that's it. So, and, and once we joked about it, we kind of joked about it, and then it, we started kind of talking it through. Well, pink flamingos, that, it's unique and it's memorable. And because, you know, there's a million pig teams out there, there's a million cow teams out there, there's smoke everything. You know, they, they all kind of blend in together and they get real hard to distinguish from each other. And Pink Flamingo, there's there's not too much confusion there when, when, uh, when they 
start saying the name, it's it's real easy to know it's you. So um, that was that was kind of how we came up with that. Yeah, it's definitely very unique. It uh, <laughs> absolutely stands out from the crowd. <laughs> yeah. So here at the here at the restaurant, um, what what pits are you running out the back? Well, we use Cook Shack pellet smokers. I've got a, a five hundred, which is a, a, a full rotisserie uh, smoker that that we use primarily for most of our most of our cooking. I also have a a, a one hundred, which is a fixed rack. It's a smaller uh, smoker that uh, we use on occasion. And then uh, I've got another 100 on a trailer if we need. And then I've got my competition smoker if we need. I mean, things break. And if if something breaks here, we've got to be able to continue to provide the product. And uh, you've got to have a backup. We, you know, you we have backups in storage for... Slicers. We have backups in storage for buffalo choppers. We have backups in storage for freezers. I mean, you've got to have that stuff available because uh, we go through quite a bit of product here. And if all of a sudden, boom, something's not working, you can't just afford to be shut down for a couple of days. You've got to be able to carry on. So, uh, you know, we've got a variety of, of things. But our primary... Uh, our primary smoker is a is a pellet cooker. We use the the hickory hickory oak blend. In fact, all pellets are are blended with oak, as far as I know. Um, and the reason for that is for the BTUs. If you had 100% hickory pellets, you would go through probably twice as many pellets to get the heat that you need because oak burns hotter. So what they will do is they'll take whatever flavor, the apple or, or mesquite or pecan or hickory or whatever, and they'll blend that with the oak in order to have some efficiency with the flavor. And so uh, it, it makes... You know, it makes total sense. I, we picked those smokers when we opened up for a number of reasons. Number one, they're extremely consistent. Once you figure out what you want to cook and the way you want to do it, it's very easy to replicate from day to day to day. And in the restaurant business, that's paramount. Number two, it's very safe. Pellets, uh, there's no gas line or anything like that. Pellets aren't going to explode. Nobody's going to get asphyxiated. You know, there isn't going to be any problems of, of that nature. Uh, number three, I, I feel like pellets are a very green type fuel. You know, it's they're using sawdust, and uh, you know, it's they've got to use sawdust for something. So, I mean, it's it, it's uh, I think it's it's very uh, it, it's way greener than just using a gas line with fossil fuel. To, uh, to cook. I, I just think it gives a, a better product as well. I mean, that's the, the key. It, it really does. Nothing's burning but wood. So I feel like I get a much better product and it's controlled better. So it's more consistent. I'm, I'm just, if I was doing it over, I wouldn't consider any other kind of smoker. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that idea of, um, like recycling a byproduct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fantastic. So what would be one story that you'd like to share from your barbecue life? From the barbecue life? Well, um, I, you know, my son uh, was uh, on my team at the end, as well as my wife. And But my son and I did the cooking, and, and 
primarily, and uh, it did give us the opportunity to go into business together. Um, he is a partner of mine, and um, uh, you know, there's a lot of fathers and sons out there that that you know don't get to spend much time together, and 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 we do, uh, you know. And every now and then we spend too much time together, and and that, but that's natural. But um, we have since opened another restaurant that's not barbecue. And uh, he's jumped into that uh, pretty much full time, even though uh, it's just a couple doors down from here. And uh, he's doing great. But but we see each other every day. We talk multiple times every day. And, and I guess the fact that we you know, we've got a really close relationship um, and 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 I cherish that. I really do. So barbecue's really brought your family together. It has. It, it really has. Uh, I have another son who's an architect, and uh, even though he really doesn't have time or interest in in being part of the the business here, he did design it and helped us, you know, build it. So uh, his his thumbprints on this place as well. Oh, that's fascinating. And I guess big big shout out has to go to your wife for all her patience over 10 years and 28 comps in a she weekend. She is an automatic saint. She is running, you know, she won't spend a minute in purgatory. She is in. She is a saint for putting up with me and all of this craziness for all these years. Uh, she's a school teacher uh, and uh, she's been teaching a long time. Um She's close to retirement age and, uh, you know, still going strong. So, uh, yeah, I love her to death. She's, she's quite, a, quite a gal, perfect lady. This is Jerry from Operation Barbecue Relief, and you're listening to Smoking Hot Confessions. A key player in the barbecue scene is clean heat charcoal. Whether it's sponsoring festivals, supporting teams, or supplying the fuel for your backyard cookouts, Abel and his team work tirelessly to bring you the best barbecue experience. Their charcoal burns hot and it burns long. Clean Heat Charcoal embraces their global responsibilities as an industry leader, and all of their products are 100% natural, sustainable, and eco-friendly. The charcoal is made from an invasive species that is destroying valuable farmland in Namibia, and they offer locals employment opportunities they wouldn't otherwise have. Whether it's cooking burgers in your backyard or saving the planet, you can rest assured knowing it's made with clean heat. Clean heat charcoal is available all around Australia and will be hitting the US shortly. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram to learn more. Alrighty, Ralph, so now I want to get into uh, Arkansas barbecue for segment two. I want to learn what makes Arkansas barbecue unique. So if you could define Arkansas barbecue, what would that be? You know, that's that's a really hard question. Um, you know, everybody's different. I, I would say that I can tell you what it's not. It's not Carolina barbecue. It's not a mustard-based or a vinegar-based type thing. It's it's going to have uh, the 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 sauce is going to be definitely a tomato based, uh, probably on the sweeter side, with uh, uh, a little bit of heat on the back end. If if it's unless it's just a mild sauce, um, the you know the the Texas barbecue sauce is probably going to be a little maybe a little thinner, a little more vinegar, a little more spice. Um, I, I would think that that 
our sauce is going to be probably more Kansas City style, uh, more of a, a sweet tomato base uh, as a whole. But again, you know, if you go to 10 different restaurants in Arkansas, they're all going to be totally different. So uh, it's kind of hard to put everybody in, in one category. Uh, but uh, but I would say primarily that kind of a sweet tomato sauce, uh, tomato base uh, with, with spice on the back end. Lovely. Now, a lot of people associate, for example, brisket with Texas. Is there a particular meat that you would associate or a particular protein or, it, or even a particular cut that well, you would um, associate with Arkansas? Well, you know, I know a lot of people, uh, when they think about Arkansas, they think about Tyson and chicken. And, uh, you know, they're probably the, the biggest poultry producer in the country, and, and their headquarters is... Uh, gosh, what, an hour from here, and they've got a, I mean, there's a lot of chicken processed in, in the state of Arkansas. Uh, so that might that might be our claim to fame. I don't know. Um, but see, we're going to do brisket, we're going to do pork, we're going to do ribs, we're going to do sausage, but we're, you know, but chicken's in the mix as well. So, um I do know that that I that you go into Texas and sometimes it's hard to find a good pulled pork sandwich. That's kind of just not their thing down there. Um, we kind of have to do it all, and and that's one of the things that we really benefited from cooking the KCBS format because they force you to cook all four categories. They you know you cook you know chicken, then ribs, then pork, then brisket, and to win the big check, you've got to do well. You can't have a real bad score in any one of those. So you're always working on the one that's your weakest link. And so that format kind of forces you to learn how to do all four of those well. And so, I, you know, here at the restaurant, when somebody walks up and says, well, I've never eaten here before. If I only eat here once, what do you recommend? I have a hard time giving them advice <laughs> because I want them to try it all. So uh, um, I was here about a year ago, and that's exactly what I did. I, <laughs> I, I I ordered off the menu, which I know is like some some places don't really like that. I don't know how how you guys are about it, but I spoke to your manager and I said, "Look, is there a way I can have like a sample platter? It's a bit of everything." He's like. Yeah, we'll work that out. That's cool. Yeah. I was like, yeah, awesome. So I got to try a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit of that. And it was, it was fantastic. Well, it's, it's uh, you know, if you only do one thing well, that's, and, and you know what? That's great. But I'd much rather go someplace that had four or five things that they did well. And, um, you know, when, if we happen to run out of something, and, and that happens. I mean, you know, we cook fresh. And if we run out of something, I'm sorry, we'll have more tomorrow. But there's no reason to, it's not like we have that one thing that's really good and, oh, we ran out of that one thing. Well, you're not going to be disappointed. You know, we we have, we put a lot of effort into everything that we do. And uh, if that one particular thing you came in for isn't available today, well, you know, move on down the line because it's, it's whatever you're going to get, we're going to, we're going to make sure it's good. 
And what would be your your favorite pick off your menu? Uh, you know, I'm a rib guy. I just I really love a properly cooked baby back rib. I, I just think that um, you know there's there are a few things that I enjoy better than good ribs. And um, keyword there's good. And and I like other people's ribs. Don't get me wrong, but it's getting harder and harder to find good barbecue in general. I'm not just talking about ribs, but it's getting harder and harder to find really good barbecue restaurants. And uh, and being in the business for 10 years, I, I, I know why. It's number one, the margins are very thin. There's so much meat involved. Uh, there's, there's way more profit in Subway sandwiches than there is in a plate full of meat. Number two, it's it's you have to cook. You it, it's not like you can hire a bunch of high school kids, pull a frozen patty out of the freezer, drop it on a, a treadmill that runs it through a, a flame broiler that comes out perfect on the other end every time. You know, it, it's not like that. It's you have to know how to cook. You have to, you know, every uh, brisket's different. Every rack of ribs is different. And, um, you know, you've you've got to pay attention. You got to be able, you got to cook. And so your labor's, uh, you know, has to be well-trained and, and, uh, and labor's expensive. And so, uh, I, I think that's making barbecue become harder and harder to find. Yeah. I think there's, um, there's a bit of a trend to try and streamline barbecue into that sort of that fast food process that, um, that, you know, at 8.50, do this. At 8.55, do that. And then, yeah. and a barbecue just doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. And I tell my people all the time, look, just because we open at 11 doesn't mean those, if something's not done at 11, it's not done. You know, we're not going to serve something. If those ribs need 30 more minutes, then we won't have ribs till 11.30. It's, you You don't cook by the clock. You, you cook by... The, the product if it's when it's done it's done and uh, hopefully you're good enough and smart enough to be able to do it to where you are ready on time but you know sometimes it, it's you know it's not the same every time now you were just mentioning pork ribs before if I were looking at say a Kansas City style rack of pork ribs next to a rack of Arkansas pork ribs how would I tell them apart <sighs> well in a lot of restaurants, you will see um, a St. Louis cut spare rib, which is a, you know a little different. It, it's a little lower down on the rib as opposed to the the loin back rib or the baby back rib. And um, I, I would think you would probably find more spare ribs in the Kansas City market than here. I mean, but you know. I, I compare to here, meaning this restaurant, and the reason we do baby backs is because when we were doing our competitions, um, yeah, of course, we tried different things over 10 years. We tried lots of different things, and we always kept coming back to the baby backs because we scored better, and if you're scoring better, you assume that they taste better, and so that was kind of, you know, that's that's where we went. And when we opened this particular restaurant, we were trying to duplicate our competition product as, as much as possible. So, so we only do baby backs here. Uh, 
there are several restaurants nearby that that do spare ribs here in in town, but they're a lot cheaper to buy. They're more economical. To, you know, there's more profit margin, and but I just don't think they're. I, I'm better at cooking baby back ribs than I am cooking spare ribs. I know you can do a. There are people out there that can do amazing things with spare ribs. I'm not one of them. I I do a lot better with baby backs. That's interesting that the that the uh, profit margin is better on the um, on the spares than the baby backs because there's a bit more in from my understanding like a bit more cut work involved with uh, with the spare ribs. So you'd think you'd be paying for that. You would think um, it, they're just cheaper to buy, and and you can sell them for the same price. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's a little odd. That's fascinating. It's yeah. it's the opposite in Australia. Oh really? Yeah 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 yeah. Wow. You'll you'll pay more for uh, spare ribs or St Louis ribs than you will for baby backs. Really? Because there's that extra labor involved. That's interesting. Well, yeah. I think I don't know. I, I'm, it's probably a supply and demand thing over here, and 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 I don't know, but. Uh, uh, there, yeah, there's a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense like that. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, one thing I've learned uh, on this journey is that Texans love their salt. Louisianans love to add some Cajun spices. What's an Arkansas uh, spice profile like? Wow. Um, you know, we have our, our rubs blended, and, I, you know, I've got I've got two rubs that we use we have one that we refer to as the brisket rub which we use of course use it on brisket we also use it on our pork loin Uh, then we have our our all-purpose rub or our red rub and we use it on everything else and you know if you looked at the ingredients list they're pretty standard um i would say that that our red rub is is fairly sweet there's quite a bit of sugar uh and then our brisket rub is probably more salty, more like a more similar to a, a steak rub kind of thing, more so than the. They're they're quite different, uh, but we but the ingredients are very traditional, uh, and I assume that that most rub most rubs are are probably pretty similar in in product and in contents uh ingredients just how much of this and that do you use you know we have a tendency to have one rub is fairly sweet and the other one's fairly salty okay and so do you um do you have them mixed to your own recipe then or do do you you we do yes purchase from a provider yes Uh, in fact we're we're fortunate that there is a uh, company that does that just across the river here in Van Buren, which um, I don't even what we get it a thousand pounds in a batch. That's their smallest batch. Wow, it's a big company, and and, <laughs> and they'll they'll do the, our, our our batch, and we uh, we don't even have to pay freight. We just take our van over, and they load it <laughs> load it in the van, and we bring it back over here. So, you know, a couple times a year, we'll go go get another batch of rub. And, and uh, it's it's very handy. I love not having to pay freight on something that's a thousand pounds. That would be a lot. <laughs> that would be a big saving. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the pellets that we uh, use are made in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. 
and uh, and they ship all over the the country. In fact, uh, I think they're the company that makes the pellets that are sold at Academy uh, Academy Sports, and uh, but they, and they also make uh, pellets that are not food grade that are more like furnace type pellets. There are pellet furnaces here in the States. I don't know if they have them in no, Australia or No, tell not. me about that. What's that? Well, I mean, it's it's literally a, a furnace for your house, and it runs on pellets. And uh, the, the fire is it's just like a pellet smoker with, with blowers, and it's uh, blowing the heat. And, you know, of course, the smoke doesn't go through the house. But, no, no. But uh, it's, they make pellet furnaces. And uh, wow, yeah, that's that's kind of an interesting uh, concept. The majority of their pellet business is for furnaces. the 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 food grade stuff is the uh, smaller side thing that they got into. That's fascinating. Yeah, I'm from the Gold Coast in Queensland in Australia, and we barely need a heater at all. So the idea of having a pellet furnace like <laughs> down in your basement just blows my mind. It's uh, it's pretty out there for me. Um. One thing I have to know, talking about uh, Pink Flamingo here, I've seen on your menu you've got something called a barbecue Frito pie. What's that, and is that an Arkansas thing? Because my wife's from Arkansas, and she's always on about Fritos. Well, it's kind of our version of a Frito chili pie, which which traditionally is Fritos and and chili, uh, maybe some some cheese on and some onions on top. Well, what we take is Fritos and chopped beef brisket uh regular barbecue sauce and then we use a cheese sauce on top of that and then we have a a bar on the end that people can kind of finish them off as they like and and there's uh onions and grated cheese and sour cream some people will do that and uh it's kind of a barbecue version of a frito chili pie it's it's it's, it's a little unique here so do the do the Fritos get crushed up and used as the bait, like as the they're crust the base. of the pie? Yeah, they're, they're the, the base. You yeah. just pile it up on top of that, and then when you eat it, you just kind of mix it up and go. Oh, okay, all right. So it's kind of like a, I don't know. I'm just trying to put this in in Australian terms. It's almost like a barbecue nacho, yeah, type thing, but with but with um, Fritos, uh, Frito chips instead of nacho chips. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, but we do a, a barbecue nacho here as well. But it's uh, yeah, the Fritos. It, it's a really good combination. It really is. Excellent. All right. Now, I want to circle back to competitions because we started to talk about competitions and some different things there. Can you take me through a typical Arkansas barbecue competition? So what proteins, what number of categories, the judging process, the flavor, the flavor profiles of, a, of an Arkansas barbecue? Yeah, the... Uh well, the KCBS process is the same everywhere, but um, you know when you uh, you enter, you pay your entry fee in advance. You get there. Uh, the, one of the first things you do is you uh, when you check in is you get your meat inspected, and they have to inspect that number one, you have the proper uh, you, the, the in the pork category you can cook a pork butt or a uh, a shoulder or the whole shoulder if you want. Um, but you can't cook any other part of the pig. It's just, it's got to be the pulled pork that comes from that. Um, then brisket, it's got to be either a whole brisket or a flat. It can be a flat. Uh, on the ribs, it can be, it's got to be pork ribs, a, uh, either baby back or spare ribs. 
on chicken, you can pretty much use anything, any part of the chicken that you like. Uh, you could even do a Cornish game hen, uh, which is just basically a, a genetically bred smaller kind of chicken, I guess, is, is what's sold here anyway. Um, so you, you're, they're checking that you have the proper meat, that it has not been seasoned yet. You have to show up with it in its original uh, form. They want to make sure that it's at good temperature, that it's refrigerated properly, that it's not, you know, contaminated. And uh, so you get checked in, and, and usually the first thing you do is you start, you know, start rubbing and trimming and getting everything ready. And you know, it's funny when you when you work at a, a restaurant like this, we we go through a lot of product uh, day in and day out, and. The last cook-off I did, it, it's been several years ago. I really don't do cook-offs anymore. I just don't have time. But uh, the last cook-off I went to, I, I felt like I was I was taking a couple of pork butts to a day spa. You know, the primping and the trimming. And, and it was just, I thought, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, you know, we don't do this at work, and it's just fine. And But then here we are, literally, with the tweezers and the, you know, when it goes in the box, it's just got to be so perfect looking and and all. So um, it, it's it's kind of ridiculous, the, the level of... of uh, detail that goes into some of the competition stuff anymore um now I, I there is a trend in the u.s that i don't like at all and i'm glad it wasn't going on when i was in competitions but they have started people have started buying these incredibly expensive briskets <laughs> the kobe and the wagyu and all this kind of stuff and they're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars for this piece of raw meat. And a lot of times the prize money may not even be as much as what they spent on the product. And I don't know how you would control that. I don't think you, there's any way that you could. I just don't like it. I, I, I think it's all, the, the sport is already very expensive to begin with. And then to get it to the point to where, oh, well, you're not going to win if you don't, if you're not spending you know a thousand dollars on me i mean give me a break i i just i don't think that's i don't know it it's frustrating i don't think that's for everybody um but anyway um the rest of the the day um you know it, it's a timing thing and and a kcbs cook-off has you know four turn-in times it, it normally starts a chicken at noon ribs at twelve thirty pork at 1, and uh, brisket at 1.30. That's the, the normal turn-in times. And you have a 10-minute a window from five minutes before to five minutes after, and I mean exactly to the second. If you're one second past that five minute after, they will not accept your product. So it's it's your timing has to be uh, – that's probably one of the most important things about a cook-off is having those ribs – ready at exactly the right time to where they're not underdone and they're not overdone that they're just perfect in that little window and and that's that's really hard to do um now some of the meats are easier the, the ribs are the hardest when with timing the the pork and the brisket not as much they will hold easier they're easier to hold after they're done if you get them done early uh, chicken again is is kind of like ribs it's 
um, to get that skin to where it'll, it'll break down and that the meat's not mushy, um, it, that's a little difficult as well. Um, but anyway, it, it's all about the timing. And so if you have a stick burner, you know, you're up every couple hours, you know, keeping that fire regulated. Um, you know, people with pellet smokers don't have to do that. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, yeah, I, I am quite honestly, I'm, I'm surprised that pellet smokers were allowed to be used in, in competitions when they started. It, it surprised me. Uh, now it's too late to turn it back. There's too many of them out there. Uh, it's commonplace and, and they, they just can't, they can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. I don't think so. Um, it's it's just a part of the competition, but uh, anyway, and and uh, you know, not a lot of sleep and a lot of camaraderie. I, I really the one thing I truly miss about not cooking contests anymore are the, are the friends, the people that I used to see almost every weekend. You know, it, it was a lot of fun, and you'd see them the same people over and over and over, and and uh, you know, I miss them. I, I I don't get to see them often but uh uh, there's a few of them still out there doing it yeah well it it sounds like from what you're saying that there's quite a few similarities to between uh between the way you're doing barbecue comps here and the way we do things um out over in australia probably um something that we do have in our competitions over there is uh regional differences at competitions that are the that are at the promoter's discretion so for example my local competition is the burley barbecue comp and we have a uh, it's a it's a beachfront competition and we have a seafood category so are there any particular categories that are distinctly arkansas do you do anything like that you know i i don't think so um sometimes they'll uh, maybe have a friday night competition uh to kind of give people a little something to, to play with and do the kind of the night before the cook-off. And I've seen um, some hot wings competitions, as which, so then you're going back to the chicken thing. Um, one of the most interesting that I ran into at a cook-off once in Arkansas was they did a, a um, an Iron Chef type thing okay. where uh, – if you, you entered that particular category for that night, it was you know a separate entry fee. You didn't know what the primary ingredient was going to be. And everybody met, and they passed out the ingredient, and you had, everybody had the same thing, and you had uh, two hours, and you had to, to turn in. But you had no idea what you were going to get or what it was going to be. So I remember that cook-off. We had we had everything we took everything out of the kitchen <laughs> we were ready for anything you know and the mystery ingredient was potatoes <laughs> it was so easy it's like oh okay well we're gonna do a twice baked potato you know we had just all these spices and 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 ingredients and things that we were prepared for and uh, didn't need any of them but uh Anyway, that but it was fun. It was it was interesting. And how did you go with that twice baked potato? You know, I I, I didn't win. Um, I remember that we turned in a really good product, but I remember it it, it didn't win. I do remember that. Um, but uh, there was there was quite a few twice baked potatoes turned in. It was kind of the the natural thing to to uh, to do. You know, mix some barbecue and cheese and sour cream and everything in, and it was. It was good. 
It was good. Yeah, it makes me hungry right now. <laughs> <laughs> so on your on your website, your slogan is Grand Champion Style Barbecue. How has competition influenced your restaurant menu? Well, like I said before, we 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 really try to duplicate uh, our competition food day in and day out here, and uh, so you know we have the chicken and the ribs and the pork and the brisket. Then we add pork loin and uh, then uh, quite a few sides. We just really have tried to duplicate and then you start adding sides and things like that that you don't normally do at, at a lot of cook-offs. A lot of cook-offs may have a bean competition or a side dish competition, but you know, day in and day out, we're going to have beans and coleslaw and potato salad and cheesy taters that's one of our things and then mac and cheese and corn on the cob and green beans and you know you get all these side dishes that you know you're going through day in and day out as well so it expands the menu quite a bit um you know i i joke about i hear i, I hear there's a barbecue guy down in texas somewhere and he's got a little drive up stand and he sells ribs beans and bread and the story goes that the only question is you want a half rack or a whole rack and it comes with beans and bread and and when he sold out he closes up and goes home and i'm thinking well that's genius because he only has to cook ribs and beans that's all he's got to cook and i'm thinking sometimes when people say you know what would be great if you had this or that and i'm like you know i'm trying to find a way to get a smaller menu not a bigger menu it's real easy to add and add and add and uh, but i'm thinking if that really does exist what a genius that guy is you know <laughs> he's a lot smarter than me got a project you'd like to work on with the shc team Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. If you're looking to get behind an Australian company that gets behind Australians, you need to check out Pitt Brothers Barbecue. They are a Brisbane-based business that are known for supporting our return servicemen and women. They have three pre-blended rubs and 15 individual ingredients, making it easy for you to create your own unique taste sensation. My personal favorite is their peri-peri rub. It's unbeatable on chicken wings with a delicious buffalo sauce. Keep an eye out for their Porkapalooza rub made with competition barbecue team Smoke and Sappers. You can keep up with all the Pit Brothers news on Facebook and Instagram by following at PitBroBBQ and order your rubs and charcoal from pitbrothersbarbecue.com.au. That's P-I-T-B-R-O-T-H-E-R-S-B-B-Q.com.au. Alrighty, Ralph, it's time for our lightning round. So these are 10 quick questions, one word or one sentence answers. First thing that pops into your head. You ready to go? I'm ready. All right, so brisket, fat side up or down? Always up. Chicken, breast, wings or thighs? For competition, thighs. Pork ribs, St. Louis, baby back or spare? We do baby back. Sauce, on the meat or on the side? Depends. <laughs> Some meat we put it on, like the sausage and, and chicken, and we do put a, a little bit on the ribs, but brisket and pork and pork loin, those kind of, always on the side. Temperatures, low and slow or hot and fast? Low and slow. What's your nemesis cut, so the hardest thing for you to cook? Well, probably brisket. Uh, uh, that's, but 
again, we've kind of figured it out. So we, we don't fight that too much anymore. But that was the hardest one, I think, to learn. One tip or trick you wish you'd known sooner? I wish I would have taken a barbecue competition class from one of these master guys way early, and that would have saved me a lot of time and money. The future, what do you think is going to be the next trend in barbecue? Well, I think it's going to get a lot more expensive because it's going to get harder, good barbecue, because it's going to get harder and harder to find, Prices are never going to go down for the products that we cook. So I think it's going to become more high-end and less of a barbecue joint type paper plate thing. I think it's going to be a more of a not, not quite fine dining, but I think they're going, to, it's going to, they're going to have to dress it up to get the prices that they need to get. Pellet grills in competitions, yay or nay? Well, they're they're here to stay. Um, I wish I would have had one when I was doing it. Uh, if there were a fantasy barbecue league, who would you choose for your team? That's easy. My son, first off, Jeff Taylor, then Mike Davis with a lot of bull, Johnny Trigg from Smoking Triggers, and then Mike Hayes. He's the former president of the KCBS. Beautiful. Well, Ralph, you've been very patient, and now the mics are now all yours. So please give some shout-outs to whomever you'd like and tell all the listeners where they can track you down. Well, I guess got to give a shout-out to all my staff and my customers and my family. They've all hung with us really strong for 10 years now. Uh, we just celebrated the 10-year the anniversary last month, and uh, that's, a, that's a big deal. Um, other than that, you can find us here in Fort Smith, Arkansas, at the corner of Old Greenwood Road and Country Club. Uh, I'm online. We have a website. It's uh, pinkflamingobbq.com. If you want to contact me, why, just uh, see, I think I've got an email address. Well, I, let's see here. That's probably the email address, pinkflamingobbq.com. The other is www.pinkflamingobbq.com. Uh, what is it at gmail.com no that's no 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 Bing Flamingo what the hell is, what is, I don't even know my web address isn't that terrible because it's saved I don't ever dial it up I just hit the button that's terrible <laughs> I don't know how to get a hold of myself that's terrible that's just, right that's right I'll, if you I'll, just I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and I'll put it in there later there you go just look up Pink Flamingo BBQ online it'll it'll show up there isn't anybody else but us <laughs> just, just ask Google yeah <laughs> oh, that's funny <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with me today, Ralph. It's been a real eye-opener to learn about the differences um, between Arkansas and, and all the other styles of barbecue and also to learn about uh, Pink Flamingo. So I just want to say one more time, thank you very much. Well, you're uh, so your welcome. I, I'm, I'm thrilled that you came by. It's been a lot of fun. Well, folks, that's a wrap. This episode was number 10 of season three, which means we're at the end of my U.S. road trip. We started in Dallas with Lockout Smokehouse, down into Austin with the Salt Lick, across to Houston with our live episodes recorded at the World's Barbecue Championships, before heading across to New Orleans, then north through Louisiana to the Hammond Barbecue Challenge, and on up to the tippy top of Arkansas with the Fort Smith Barbecue Society, and finally, Ralph's Pink Flamingo. I'm not going to lie, it was a life-changing experience, and I'm so happy that you've been able to share it with me. Now, there is a couple of things you could do to help me out. Firstly, please throw some love and respect to this season's sponsors. 
Black Angus Reserve, Clean Heat Charcoal, Smoky Q, Jagged Wood Fired, Wild Smoke, Pitt's Perfect Barbecue, Smart Fire Barbecue, Pitt Brothers Barbecue, Shire Smokers, and of course, Hog Pit Smokers. I'll let you in on a little secret. Their support of this season has made it possible for me to return to the States in 2019. So get ready for US Road Trip Part 2. Secondly, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast, particularly if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. The more ratings and reviews the show gets, the more Apple will promote the show. Finally, tell a friend. That's all. Introduce them to Smoking Hot Confessions. Podcasts are a beautiful thing, and a podcast on barbecue is even better. So that's it. I'm going to leave it here. Stay tuned for Season 4, the 2018 festival season, and then roll on Season 5, US Road Trip Part 2. Till next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.